happy Thursday, friends. Thank you, thank you for the round of applause. This is episode nine of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Balafato here with my co-host, Joe Fan. Joe, we got a busy day. Diverse show. We We're do. spreading our wings we a bit here. In a way, nine. divisional series predictions, boxing match of the year. We have a special guest. And of course, we're going to talk NFL Week 5. We're yep. moving along, man. I love it. Lots to discuss. Yeah. I, w I think I want to start with um, my luck from this weekend because I'm kind of rolling here. You are rolling. A and I don't want to jinx it because as everyone knows, once you go hot, you have to go cold. It's just what happens. I don't think you do. I think you can just ride this wave. Oh, I mean, you know you're so hot when you get Justin Herbert pass attempts by like you win by the hook. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 37 and a half, you get 38. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler... He did 36 and a half. He had 28 at halftime, zero in the second half. Well, we I'm done. I'm vowing <laughs> off player props. I won't do it anymore. Not okay, happening. That's how I was. No more with, best bets. I'm done with their player props. I'm done with sides. Because I also I I I picked uh, Chargers uh, plus three and a half or minus three and a half. Mm -hmm. Easy win. Yeah. Okay. No, was it my best bet? Well, no. <laughs> oh, off. now you feel my pain when I, I do. when I went on four. I, I I didn't feel any support. What? <laughs> I have always been supportive of you. Are you kidding me? Oh, I have never I rooted for your picks you. to fail. That's your job. That's what you've done to me when I was having success. You wanted to bring me down with you to the depths of betting despair. One thing I will ask you then, this weekend, did you have any money on my team in support? On Boston? Didn't have any money. No. no. But you but were cheering for me and my team. I am. I told you that on Monday. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I literally, we're on this show, live <laughs> to all of our viewers, the studio audience that gave us a round of applause as we came in. I said, I am pulling for your Red Sox tonight against the Yankees. Well, and they won. That's great. That's, I, I, what, I, what happened right after they won? You texted us. You texted Cole. Cole. Me and Cole. Cole's our producer. He's awesome. And he is also a Boston fan. So, yeah. yeah. So get off my Joe. back, all right? <laughs> okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. See, we support each other. That's what we're here for. And I just want to say, I, I'm supportive of you in many things, but I can't support you in everything. And there's one thing you put on Twitter that I just can't get behind, Joe. Yeah. It, it's this, you, you had a list, right, of, of things that you wish you could change for NFL. And I think we talked about some of it, but can you quickly go over it? And I'm going to tell you what I Yeah, so I just like had been kind of stirring on some stewing, stirring, stewing, stewing, stewing on, uh, on, on some different things. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I came to a list of four things that if I became football czar, I would change. I would remove the game clock in NFL overtime. That's something we discussed with Matoy. Um, on Monday, mm -hmm. because I think it's silly to have a game that could potentially end in a tie. Yeah. Uh, B, I would ban people from wearing jerseys to games of teams not playing in the game. Mm -hmm. Three, and this was the hot take. Well, yeah. also, four was remove kickers and defenses from fantasy, which, which I feel pretty strongly about. Yeah. Yeah. Three was the one I knew would be a hot take. Granted, <laughs> let me caveat this with like, this was supposed to be like fun, have some banter. <laughs> Did and not it was like supposed it. to be like, and there was some where it was like, oh, you're the old man, get off my lawn. Like, that was kind of like the energy I was going for. Like, yeah. we all have those different things. And it turned into like this big conversation <laughs> of like my insecurities, my, my, my lack people of faith in my, own mas in my own masculinity. <laughs> Granted, there were a lot of people who agreed with me as well. Uh, but like some people, the take was, to disallow men from wearing jerseys of players much younger than them, unless it's a friend or a relative. And I learned people love their jerseys. Like, well, it, people love their jerseys. Like, wh 
Well, I'm 50. What do I have to do? I was like, I wear a, a Legends jersey or just don't wear a jersey at all. Like, I don't, there's so much team gear in that team store. You don't have to. And like, this is one of those things like, I'm not the football czar. We're good. You're good. I'm not coming for your jersey. <laughs> Thank God, Joe Finn. <laughs> and it was like, how dare you? Were, I, was like, I was whoa. Honestly, I'm terrible because I was reading the comments and in my head I replied. I'm gonna have to reply after this because while I vehemently disagree because I think you vehemently lot, you don't think it's just weird. because there's so much young talent like how, you're just gonna avoid it. Like I don't, I don't care if if Kyler Murray's great. I don't care if I like the, any of these. Like I love Mac Jones. Like it's it, not it, you don't care. It's just you like, want to support them as so. someone like I'm a huge Maris fan. I'm 32. I would feel weird at this point wearing a Jared Kelnick jersey. Hey man, to each But that's own. because I, I'm insecure in my own masculinity. Yeah, that's because you're so, not a man, Joe. <laughs> yeah. And I want to judge everyone else and tell everyone else how to be a fan. All right, so if you guys are listening my or watching goodness. this right now, go send, go send Joe some love. Keep your jerseys. <laughs> sleeping on. <laughs> or send, or even better, send in pictures of you wearing a jersey that's with great. someone younger. Joe my goodness. It. Like, I was like, that's just. Anyways. Uh, back to my we, Red Sox. <laughs> Digress. To your Red Sox. Yeah. Great segue. Heck Sox. of a win on Monday. Yes. A really a, a comfortable win. It After was, yeah. I thought all night Wednesday night watching the Cardinals play the Dodgers that my goodness I would be an emotional wreck, <laughs> or I will be because eventually it will happen and the Mariners probably won't win their division. They'll be, have to be a wild card team, so we'll have to win that game. Yeah. And I just I don't know if I'm gonna be able to survive that game. <laughs> you got for all intents and purposes in the one-off wild card game. Kind of a sweat-free win for your Red Sox, which is it was awesome, really fun. You were getting, you got to talk that talk on social media all game long. Uh, yeah, I mean it was kind of brutal. And you had <laughs> one moment. You had one moment where you like probably had to sweat it a bit, and then Aaron Judge got thrown out at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, you could say, okay, yeah, we're good. I specifically went with first five with the Sox too because I didn't trust their bullpen. They weren't well rested. We're also just known for not. Like, that's kind of our weak spot, right? So I was like, first five, I'm not going to be sweating it. Ivaldi, his K-prop was low. So you're right. I was pretty sweat-free. I came out of that one dry and very happy. Yeah, I don't mean even just, like, as from a betting standpoint, but strictly as a as Red Sox fans, it was, it was a stress-free night for them. Oh, betting aside, I never wavered ever. I, yeah. I have 100% faith in my team. Uh, Red Sox and Dodgers survived. That game was fun, low scoring last night, but um, exciting it, to say the last. Playoff atmospheres are undefeated. Unreal. Yeah. And that place was rocking. Mm. And Chris Taylor, Mariners legend, who they gave away for free. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it. I'm over it. Good for him. Walk off to run bomb. Yeah. No, it was Heartbreak great. for Cardinals plus one oh, and a half God, betters. I know. I had a lot of friends on that. That's I had lots of texts. Should we start with Red Sox Rays? Yeah. And and I was telling you this before the show. It's so hard because of course we don't want to make bets with our hearts. And and I have to say here, because Tampa's bullpen led the AL and ERA and strikeouts, among other many impressive stats. And like I mentioned, I took Red Sox first five because I don't trust their bullpen. If they don't get an early start, I, I just, you know, throughout the series, then I just think Tampa Bay wins this. I'm going to go with the Red Sox. Get plus okay, now you're making at, me look at Plus bad. 170. <laughs> They've got Chris Sale back. J.D. Martinez is in the, on the ALDS roster. The Rays lineup is loaded. Nelson Cruz is a, was a monster um, trade deadline pickup. Just I don't trust their starters to be able to get it to their to their bullpen, and so to me there's sort of like a team of destiny feel with this Red Sox team that mm. no one expected would be here. They whooped the Yankees in the in the wild card round. They've got a ton of belief. 
there, and I think there's something to be said for the momentum of a team coming off of a wild card win and the belief that comes with that. So, and I also I'm sort of just jaded on the Rays because the Mariners absolutely dominated them this year. I think it was like they were like 11 and one mm. against the Rays, and so if the Mariners are handling the Rays, Red Sox should be able to do so as well. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say I'm still supporting the Red Sox, but <laughs> I do. I do want to keep an eye on the bullpen in that situation. I mean, we have so Chris Sale, Erod, Evaldi pitching. Yeah. Okay. For the series. All right. Uh, the Rays. See, it's tough because it's minus 180. So, like, I'm not really liking the value on the Rays. If I were to actually put money, I would probably do the Red Sox, but I do think the Rays win the series. Okay. Uh, White Sox, Astros series price. Astros minus 125. So a little bit of smaller favorites. I said a few months ago that I thought the White Sox were kind of a sleeper team. Not enough people are really talking about them. Uh, they didn't have full strength lineup for the majority of the season with Robert and Jimenez out. And if you look at their rotation, they have Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease has stepped up. So they have depth. Their bullpen is solid, but they also played in one of the easiest divisions in baseball. And when we talk NFL, we talk about strength of schedule, and that has a big impact. The Astros has the fourth best run differential in the league. They have the playoff experience. They won five of seven between the two in the regular season. They swept the White Sox at home, outscoring 27 to eight. And I don't know how much you want to put recency bias into it. But again here, I just think Houston is the safe play. Better value here at minus 125. So I'd go with the Astros. Yeah, I'm going to take the White Sox. I said on Monday, they're my World Series pick. The Astros are a gauntlet. Of course, you, you, it's easy. They're, they're an easy bet. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. Mm -hmm. The White Sox, to me, are a better version of the Rays. They have just enough starting pitching to get to a back end of a bullpen. You mentioned that their top end stars in Lucas Giolito and Carlos Rodon, but, mm -hmm. but they have a trio in the bullpen that can close out a game with Liam Hendricks, Michael Kopech, and Craig Kimbrell, yeah. where if you can just get it to them with a lead, you're going to have a great chance to win ballgames. And I think their lineup is vastly superior to the Rays with them now being healthy with Luis Robert and Yuan Moncada now joining um, the likes of Jose Abreu mm -hmm. um, and Tim Anderson. I like the White Sox here. You never feel super comfortable about any series in the playoffs. I mean, I, this is, every team is obviously good at this point, but right. um, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking firm with the White Sox. I have them plus 800 to win the World Series, and I'm taking them at plus 115 to win this series, obviously. Yeah, and I say weeks ago, like, I did have faith in the White Sox. I did sprinkle a little money on them. I've sprinkled money on a few teams when it comes to the World Series, just because, why not? A few different books. Classic, um, classic, <laughs> Claudia. We're going to go back to the March Madness. I'm, like, with the chalk picks, in one and of I'm my like, yeah, I just want everyone to win. In one of, I just want everyone to have a good time. I just want everyone to have you fun. Know. Uh, You're Rob Lowe <laughs> at the Super Bowl wearing the NFL shield I'm hat. just wearing the MLB. Yeah, I'm just, MLB. I'm an MLB fan. Uh, for the NLDS, Braves-Brewers tomorrow, the Rays series price is at minus 180, so pretty heavy favorites there. They split the regular season, winning half of the six games each. Milwaukee has home field advantage with the first two games, which I'm curious to see how much you think home field advantage plays into it. Like we just talked about the, the Dodgers' electricity with that game. Um, Milwaukee has dominant pitching that led baseball this season with 19 shutouts, pretty balanced lineup in defense. Where, do you think the Brewers? Yeah, the Brewers are my here? the Brewers are my National League Brewers pick to make the World Series. So I, I want to stick with them, and I think if okay. again you can get them at plus eight hundred to win the World Series, I think it's a worthwhile ticket with value because you look at their trio of starters: Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. I'm not sure anyone else is throwing the, that type of trio out there, um, and I think they have enough hitting. 
to get mm. to Josh Hader in the ninth. So that's not the gauntlet of hitters. Christian Yelich hasn't had a normal Christian Yelich type season, but I do think, like you said, the word balance um, is 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 the optimal word here and the mm. apt word here, where they have enough to support what is an elite pitching staff. Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers minus 170 series favorite. Uh, two best records in baseball. This should be a fun series. For the Giants, sort of the same deal as Tampa. Like I mentioned, they have the bullpen edge, uh, leading the majors in ERA this season. That might be their only edge. I'm not really sure, but I, that, that's the one that I'm focusing on. What's your take on this game, on the series? I'm taking the Giants. I mean, take the best team in baseball at plus money. It's a coin flip. And I'm shocked the Dodgers are as much of favorites as they are. You don't win 107 games by accident. Granted, they overachieved everyone's expectations. This, is, this series is going to be incredible theater. Mm -hmm. By far, the one I'm looking forward to most of the four. These two teams, one of the best rivalries in all of baseball, have never met in the postseason. Mm -hmm. This is the first time. And then this Giants team, again, we talked about, or I talked about the Red Sox sort of being this team of destiny. The Giants kind of have that feel as well, where you have Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt having resurgent seasons. You have young guys like Mikey Stremski and Lamonte Wade Jr. having breakout years. Their starting rotation has overachieved anyone's wildest dreams of, of even the most loftiest of, of expectations and hopes. Logan Webb is an ace. Kevin Gaussman's been an ace as well. Desclafani and Alex would have been much better than people expected, or Johnny Cueto and his is pretty impressive, 4.08 ERA, is the worst on that staff. He'll probably be in the bullpen for this series. Mm -hmm. I love, that's one of my favorite things about postseason baseball was when you throw your, your back-end starters, or even an ace, if he's on a couple days rest into the bullpen. Like yeah, Chris, right, Chris Sale yeah. was in the, the Red Sox bullpen on Monday for that wild card round because you just got to find wins. You got to get it done, and tomorrow is always a tomorrow problem. Mm -hmm. You have to have it today. Yep. So I think these games are coin flips. The Dodgers are a juggernaut for a reason. We know that the, the star power on that team. But this Giants team has been getting it done all season long. They've won wacky games. They've been incredibly clutch um, in, in clutch moments and in close games and, and winning games. That one run and all that. I mean, again, this, it, it feels like it's unsustainable, which is why Vegas is, is, is heavily favoring the Dodgers here. Yeah. But I'd happily get the Giants at plus money. Yeah, no, I think there's great value. I did say, and I know you're saying I'm like Rob Lowe, but I did say the Giants were the value play there the other day. I think it was on Monday. Just saying. So who are you picking <laughs> in this series? Well, Winner. Giants. I got Giants and Brewers for predictions for NLD. Okay. I thought you were about to take the Dodgers there. But I like, really I sound really chalky, so <laughs> like I don't want to take the heavy favorites, but I just. You're not taking the favorites. Giants are the underdogs. Pick a winner. Okay, so I got one dog. I'm, I'm good. There you go. <laughs> and they're your World Series pick. Yeah. So you better ride them to the I'm end. I'm making so much money. Yeah, you're crushing it. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. One of, yeah, a few of them. Uh, okay, that was fun. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk boxing because we haven't done that yet on the show. No, we uh, haven't. And I want to do more of it. We're in like the combat fighting center of the world here in Vegas, right? I am pumped to talk more fighting because I don't know anything about fighting. Yeah, and I don't know. It's fun to have conversations not. and learn something that you don't know anything about. I watch it. I enjoy yeah. it. Couldn't tell you anything about it in terms of strategy, whatever. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm pumped to have our guest here today. Well, yeah, it's good. Since we don't know, we need, someone, we need an expert. Luckily, we have that today. Senior editor of Combat Sports at the Sporting News, Andreas Hale. Also host of the Corner Podcast here for the Blue Wire Network. Welcome. 
it's good to have you. Yeah, it feels like I'm with family, right? Yes, so it's like, yeah. yes. Maybe I'm like the bastard stepchild who's finally met his brother and sister, and like we're here now. So I'm glad. No, to be that's here. all. That's us. I think yeah, we're, we, yeah. we'll take that role. But <laughs> okay. we want to get to know. We like to get to know our guests, especially your unique path compared to maybe where we have come from. And, and yeah. how'd you get into combat sports? How'd that become uh, your your career path? And I know you said you were from New York, live in Vegas, but just maybe tell us about your your journey a bit. I mean, it, you know, it's it's kind of off the beaten path, right? So uh, I started off in the music business. I worked mm. for a website called Hip Hop DX. I've written about music culture for a long time, worked for Billboard, uh, worked for Jay-Z and his website Life and Times, uh, done like the Grammys. But I've always enjoyed watching people get punched in the face. It's, it's just <laughs> kind of been a childhood thing of mine. So I wanted to document the culture of combat sports uh, from a different perspective, especially being a, an African-American in this space where there's not a lot of African-Americans that are documenting a sport that's dominated by minorities. Uh, I wanted to be able to tell our stories, and not just our stories, but everybody's stories, whether it's women, whoever. Um, so I started writing for like Ring Magazine and Share Dog. Uh, I've done like pro wrestling for like MTV. And it became a path that I felt like I didn't want to be the old man at the club when it came to the music industry. I didn't want to be that old guy that's like still at the club with all the kids, like <laughs> get off my lawn culture. But I feel like you can get old doing combat sports. You know, I feel like you can grow old with boxing. Yeah. So from there, it's just kind of been my career path. And here I am. I love how you just casually glossed over. It's like, yeah, I've done the Grammys. I've done all that. It's whatever. No big deal. <laughs> But That's we awesome. love some action, some combat sports. Very I cool. love it too. There's so much, you know, betting is a whole other side to it. But when it comes down to breaking down strategies for a fight, that's really how you essentially handicap a game. And I want to get into your handicap, but I think we just need to kind of lay out the storyline for this fight. Because if someone isn't really watching these fights constantly, they might see these headlines, one of the biggest boxing trilogies of our time. First of all, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, I know the names. I'm not super familiar with fighting, but I see those two names. I know them. Huge fight, heavyweight title. There's been some arguments over if the past two fights were the right decisions or not, and I want to get your take on that as well. Um, is this one of the biggest fights, or do you think it's kind of being overhyped, overblown? No, it's actually a really big fight in terms of, especially for America, because America hasn't had a heavyweight on the scene you might have to go back to Vander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, Mike Tyson days. Mm. So since then, the Klitschko's kind of dominated, which means heavyweight boxing was taken overseas. And now you have this guy, Deontay Wilder, who shows up and just kind of knocks everybody out. Uh, very enigmatic personality. Um, and then you have Tyson Fury, who is like a pro wrestler. You know, he's very bombastic. Um, but he was also undefeated. And both of them, well, uh, Fury beat Klitschko, became the world champion. But Fury took some time away from the sport. Meanwhile, Deontay Wilder was climbing up the ladder, became the WBC champion. Uh, after Fury came back from some mental health issues and depression and drugs and a lot of other things, he jumped right back on the horse. Those two met uh, about almost three years ago in their first fight, which everybody probably remembers because Deontay Wilder knocked down Tyson Fury and Fury rose like the Undertaker. <laughs> and that fight ended in a split draw. Uh, they had the rematch last February before the pandemic. And Fury pretty much beat the hell out of Wilder. Mm -hmm. uh, stopped him in the seventh round, which was odd because Wilder was known as the knockout artist, knocked every opponent out that he faced. Fury, not so much, but Fury dominated the fight, stopped Wilder in seven. Uh, then COVID happened. There was a contractually obligated third fight. COVID got in the way. There was arbitration involved. Fury was supposed to fight Joshua overseas in one of the biggest fights in the UK ever. An arbitrator came in and said, hey, you owe Wilder a third fight. Here we are. We're having the third fight at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, uh, and it's a big deal because the winner gets one step closer 
to having the first undisputed heavyweight champion in the four belt era. Now, when I say that, people are like, what the hell is the four belt mm-hmm. era? Yeah. That was my you next question. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what is the undisputed title? Right. Undisputed title means you carry all the belts. There are four belts, the WBO, WBC, WBA, and IBF from sanctioned bodies. I won't get into all that because it's crazy and it doesn't <laughs> really of, matter. A lot of letters. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of alphabet stuff. Uh, if you ha- hold all four of those titles, you're undisputed. No heavyweight. This, this was all introduced in 2002, I believe. No heavyweight has had all four belts. Uh, and the owner of the other three belts is Oleksandr Usyk, who just beat Anthony Joshua. So the winner of this fight potentially could face Usyk to finally have one champion of the division. So we're getting one step closer. Does it mean it'll happen? No, because boxing is kind of a mess in terms of politics and everything else. But you have these two personalities getting into this big fight. Everybody likes people getting knocked out. You're probably going to get a knockout in this fight. And it's in Las Vegas. Mm. It's a big deal. It is a very big deal. I think that's one of the hard things, maybe why, at least speaking for myself, why I'm not as big into fighting as maybe I'd like to be. Because you, that alphabet soup you just spit down at us <laughs> is, you know, you have, we could go down that rabbit hole for so long, but it is, it's so convoluted and hard to understand. This fight in and of itself... I watched the second one, and he doesn't take a boxing expert to know that Tyson Fury smoked Wilder. Yes. From an endurance standpoint, from a power standpoint, he won comprehensively. Cheater. <laughs> we got voices in our heads. Stop with that. <laughs> we, uh, sound effects throw me off. Uh, Wilder went on to make an entire host of excuses after the fight. He had the weird kind of suit coming out that weighed him down. Well, I mean, this is a poor decision on his part, probably altogether. But regardless, he didn't own it, I think, the way most people would like to see a champ own it. What was your take of the analysis of the fight and maybe the more nitty-gritty of, of why Wilder was beaten so badly? Well, look, listen, Deontay Wilder's knocked out a lot of people. Most people can't name half of the people he, get, he knocked out. It's kind of a problem in boxing. There's not a lot of uh, fighters that fans know. But he's still a knockout puncher. But he's very raw in terms of talent. He's, 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 a, uh, he's got intangibles that other fighters don't have. But when it comes to being technically sound, he's not that. Tyson Fury is easily, well, between him and maybe uh, Anthony Joshua, now Alexander Usyk, the best boxer the heavyweights have seen in a long time. He's not a knockout artist. He knows how to box. Fury is also matches him in size, and he's heavier than him. So when you had the, the second fight, because when I mentioned the first fight, Fury was essentially kind of rolling off the couch, hadn't fought in a few years. He had two fights against nobodies, and he fought Wilder, and he fought to a draw. This fight, he had a lot more time to train. He ended up being 40 pounds heavier than Wilder, used all his physical advantages to beat up Wilder. Did Wilder take him lightly? Not necessarily. I think he kind of got exposed for being, I don't want to call him necessarily a one-trick pony, but that's what he had. And once Fury was able to take the right hand away and show him that it wasn't going to affect him, he dominated the fight. Now, when you talk about excuses, this is, this is where it gets interesting. Deontay Wilder has no accountability for losing that fight. It was everybody's fault but his own. It was a suit. It was Fury loading his gloves. He said his trainer conspired against him, spiked his water. He had an injured bicep. The Nevada State fight, everybody but Fury beat him. Like, he never said, I just didn't come with the right game plan. Uh, That's be- so weak. The better man won. It's, it's real easy, right? How do you correct something going into a fight? Like, if we're playing a game, and I think that you beat me by cheating, that means I don't have to improve. I can come in the same way I was before, and as long as you don't cheat, mm. I'm going to beat you. 
That's not what happened. So if Wilder's not prepared to improve and get better, there's no way he's going to win this fight. So, and you got, again, this is not a Tyson Fury who's like, he got lucky. Deontay Wilder said, oh, he can't punch, but he stopped you. It's, it's denial. I talked to Tyson Fury. He said, I think Deontay's got mental health issues. There's no accountability, and there's no acceptance in him losing. What's funny is most of the time in fighting, you're arguing and, and saying the judges and it was rigged, and there's a lot of weirdness in terms of decisions if you feel like the battle is close and the fight's close. That wasn't the case in this one. Mm. So who do you think, if you had to choose, and if you could boil it down, is this a bigger fight for one or the other? It's bigger for Wilder. This is it. Um, not only does he have the state of the American heavyweights on his back, but now he also has his own career. Because if Tyson Fury dominates and beats him again, there's no coming back from that. Now you're just kind of a gatekeeper, in a sense. Mm -hmm. While Fury remains undefeated, he remains the king of the division, and he'll go on to do great things. Now, if Fury loses, Fury could say, hey, we're 1-1-1. One, one, one. Let's do it again. <laughs> and that's a fair assessment. You could say that. But if Wilder... Essentially, in the first fight, he was beaten most of the rounds outside of the ones that he knocked Fury down, and he was totally dominated in the second fight. So if he loses again, we know who's better. You don't need to see Alabama crush Penn State like five times to realize they're the better team. At a certain point, you just say, all right, they're better. I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> so everything hinges on Wilder. He won't even admit it. He, he won't say this is the biggest fight of his career. It is. This is do or die. He has to win this fight. What would a Wilder loss do? You mentioned carries the weight of American boxing on his shoulders. Anthony Joshua just lost that fight. Give me the guys. Uh, Alexander Usyk. Yes. Did I say that right? Alexander Usyk. That's beautiful. I'm going to pat myself on the back after the show for that you one. You should What would a Wilder loss do for U.S. boxing on the heels of the Anthony Joshua loss? Because, again, everything I had read and seen, that that was building up to be, like you said, Joshua versus the winner of this fight. What, what is it? Yeah, I'm going to ask it again. What, what does it mean for American boxing? Well, for American heavyweights, we got to start from scratch again because now the titles are all going to be overseas. And we don't have a heavyweight who's in a position right now to challenge for those titles. The undercard of this fight is actually has a lot of decent American heavyweights, but they're not on the level of an Usyk or even a Joshua or a Tyson Fury or a Dillian White or a Joseph Parker. They're all somewhere else. And if you, heavyweight boxing is the glamour division of the sport. You know, if, if you watch heavyweight boxing, like, nobody cared about it while the Kliskos had the titles. It's not like when Mike Tyson was here. Downsy Wilder has the opportunity to bring more attention to the sport for heavyweights. We have great middleweights. We have great welterweights. But we don't have a great heavyweight. So that's, whether he wants to admit it or not, it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And if he loses, he goes to the back of the line. And way to the back of the line if he gets stopped again. And there's nobody else to take his place. So... It's tough. Anthony Joshua being from the UK, but I mean, the guy's like a, a rock star. Like I, I went to the that's I, small. I, that's my mistake. I, yeah, I, I, I yeah. forgot that. But even even Joshua like hasn't been part of my ignorance. No, no worries. He's not as big of a star in the states just yet. Wilder has been able to grow into the great American hope. Mm. And if he can't win, hey, we got to move on. So Wilder is plus 240, dog, Fury minus 300. I'm curious to see if you agree with how they set these lines. And I want to touch a little bit on just how you handicap a fight and how different it is between boxing, MMA, UFC. Uh, I know we could go for hours on this sure. too, I'm sure. But if you want to use this fight in specific for kind of how you're handicapping it. Well, I mean, obviously, when you have a third fight, you look at the history of the two fights. Mm -hmm. You look at who won the most rounds. You look at, you know, the previous opponents. You looked at, how, obviously, how these fights ended. And in this case especially, Fury dominated pretty much every round of both fights. 
And Wilder has one weapon, which is the knockout. Fury has never been knocked out. And when he got hit with Wilder's best punch, he got up. Mm. Is the betting line fair? Absolutely. Because Wilder was completely dominated in the rematch. He won one scorecard. It, was, it went seven rounds. So there were six scorecards tournament, which are 18 scores. 17 of the 18 scores were for Tyson Fury. Wow. So if you're going into the third fight and you're looking at that, well, then you say, well, how the hell can Wilder win? He has to knock him out. The likelihood of that against somebody who's never been knocked out before, who is also taller than him and heavier than him and a better boxer, very slim. But like baseball, it's like Joey Gallo, right? <laughs> he's either knocking this ball out the park or he's striking out. Right. It's one of the two. Yeah. I get that reference as well. <laughs> appreciate I, I, I'm yeah. glad I can we put these things together. That. <laughs> yeah. but, but the way this is how you would handicap this fight is because you have mm -hmm. to look at the history of what these guys have to offer. And you look at Tyson Fury, he has more ways to win. He's done it. He's shown. He's proven and he's undefeated. You mentioned the method of victories, and I know for some people who aren't as familiar, you can bet sides, obviously, one or the other, or you can go to the props, you can go to method of victory. They have the line set at seven and a half for this round. You mentioned it went to seven in the last. So what's your take on the props here? Deontay Wilder has three rounds to knock out Fury. And I'll, here's why. Deontay Wilder doesn't believe he lost that fight. He, he believes he was cheated. He believes all these things. If you go three rounds and you give somebody everything you got and he keeps coming, he's mentally going to check out. Mm. I can't foresee him keeping it together for longer than that, maybe four rounds. Yeah. So if you're going to bet on Wilder, you have to bet the under because that's the only way he can win this fight. There's, he doesn't knock out fighters late. Uh, he's not, he knocked out Luis Ortiz, I believe, in the seventh round and in the tenth round, the two times they fought. Mm -hmm. Luis Ortiz is a great boxer. But Fury is just a much more imposing figure. So if you're going to bet on Wilder, you have to bet the under. Fury is a little bit more tricky. He can win pretty much any way he wants to, depending on how he chooses to fight. We know what Wilder's going to do. We have no idea what Tyson Fury's going to do. Um, but, yeah, it, if you look at the, the method of victory, I believe the line on a decision is completely absurd for Deontay Wilder. Mm. Where is it at right now? I, I don't have it right now. I'll I, I think it was somewhere in like plus like 16. It's something absurd. Yeah. And, you know, somebody will go, ooh, that's, that sounds tantalizing. No, stay the hell away from that because <laughs> yeah. it's not going to happen. Sucker bet. Yeah, it's, it's Wilder's won one decision. It was against Bermain Stavern, and Bermain Stavern was six inches shorter and had like a five-and-a-half-inch shorter reach. Mm. Physically, there was nothing he could do to get close to Wilder. And in the rematch, Wilder knocked him out one round. Wilder doesn't win decisions. It won't happen here. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much, man. This has been yeah, thanks, super fun for us. Again, uh, I mean... I didn't know Anthony Oshawa was American. So just, <laughs> We're it, a little it, smarter now. We at least you. can admit our ignorance. But, man, it's great to have you in. I appreciate all the knowledge you just dropped on us and our listeners. And uh, I think all of us can say we can't wait for this fight on Saturday. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm glad to be part of the family. Yes. Yes, it's like yes. a nice little family reunion. We're going to have to have a barbecue <laughs> and hang out. But this was great, I'm man. in. Thanks, Andreas. Thanks. We always love having guests come on and experts come on because it helps us learn. Especially live in studio is fun. I know. It's awesome. I'm it's super. It's so lonely in here. <laughs> You're lonely? I'm right here. I know, Joe. but like it's just us two, you know? It's nice Ouch. to have some fresh faces in here. Ouch. What's what's your pick for the fight? Now that now that we've <laughs> now that we've learned a little, do you feel like you have an edge on this fight? I haven't forgot watching Tyson Fury pound on Deontay Wilder. Yeah. And again, I don't have the, the whiz bang analysis. All I know is that dude got smoked. And he made all sorts of excuses after the fight for why he lost, but the reality is he just got beat up by a better fighter. So mm. uh, I'm excited to watch it. I probably won't really put a whole bunch of money on it yeah. just um, outside of maybe throwing a, a couple of bucks on the American. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk NFL, shall we? We Week shall. Five. 
We're going to talk about the games that we're seeing the most action on right now around all the books, but with WinBet as well. Packers right now are three-point favorites at the Bengals. We're seeing 72% of the tickets, 78% of the money on the Packers. This opened at three and a half. The Bengals haven't really faced anyone when I look at, and we keep talking about strength of schedule, when I look at who they faced, at no point am I like, wow, the Bengals actually could be a really good team. The Vikings, Bears, Steelers, they barely beat the Jags. Uh, Joe Mixon is out to play with an ankle for the Bengals. Green Bay is without their best cornerback in J.R. Alexander, among a few other guys on the IL. So that's the only concern here. But I still think Green Bay takes this game easily. How likely is it that this game is as close as the line predicts? Well, this is interesting because initially all the public money is on Green Bay. And we've seen Sharps kind of bet some of that money percentages down. Mm -hmm. I like the Bengals here. And I would lean with the Sharps if that's in, indeed where they're going. I like Cincinnati. They're one of four teams to be top 10 in offense and defense for pro football focus. And you talked about the Bengals being beatable, which they are, but, but they're at home in this game, A. The Packers are just as beatable. Week one, we know they got smoked by the Saints. I'm not even, mm. I'm not even taking that game into account, but it still happened. Week two, the Lions hung around for far longer than we expected them to at Lambeau Field. Week three, they should have lost if the Niners could figure out a way to cover Devontae Adams with 37 seconds left on the clock and the Packers not having a timeout. Mason Crosby hits a 52-yarder. They win that game. And then they beat the Steelers that wasn't necessarily a blowout. They had control the entire game, but Ben Roethlisberger couldn't hit an open receiver. The Bengals were more impressive against the Steelers on the road than the Packers were against the Steelers at home. So I don't think either team you look at and say one has passed the eye test so much more than the other. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is the reigning MVP, Devontae Adams continues to be unguardable, mm. but I do like the, the Bengals here. I like their ability to play defense. There's not many teams that can reliably. And so um, I don't, I, li, missing Joe Mixon is tough, but I, I still think the Bengals hang around. It's a perfect tease opportunity to get it up over a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but I think they have a chance to win outright and will probably play their money line as well. Okay. So we do agree. Well, at least you agree that. No, we don't. Should be we don't as, agree at all. I said you agree that the line should be as close as, as low as it as it is. I was a little surprised. I'm still on the. We Packers. don't even agree a little bit. You thought the Packers? <laughs> you think the Packers in a blowout? I was saying, okay, you agree <laughs> with them oh. with the line set. I don't, and we'll see what happens. And we will I'm, see. And if I'm right, and I'm isn't gonna, that? And if I'm right, I'm going to tweet so hard at you. <laughs> Uh, Giants, It'll really ruin my Sunday. Giants are getting seven points. Boom! Take that, Joe, at, and your Bengals. <laughs> Giants are getting seven points at Dallas. Uh, Dallas opened as seven and a half point favorites, so that's gone down half a point. 56% of the tickets on Dallas, 61% of the money. Our traders told us that the Sharps with win bet, like the Giants here. Uh, Danny Dimes has looked pretty dang good, <laughs> but Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' offense looks really, really good. And we were all worried about their defense. The defense has stepped up. And the Cowboys are the NFL's only 4-0 team against the spread, which is pretty impressive at this point. They're the only ones. Um, how good is Danny Dimes, though? Is he good enough to cover with a free touchdown here? Depends on the week. I mean, th this is a guy who it's a roller coaster mm. because he has these performances. You look at just two weeks ago, and they lost to the Falcons. Put up, what, like 10 points? So and then last week, he puts up 402 epic drives to end the game, raises an 11-point deficit with uh, just a couple of minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the uh, overtime touchdown drive in which they don't even give the ball back to the Saints. So he has such polarizing moments. 
This is one where I kind of have your opinion on the last game we talked about where you're all in on the Packers. I'm all in on the Cowboys here. I'm fine laying the points and taking them at minus seven. And I, I understand that Joe Judge has been fantastic in division against the spread. I think he's only lost once since becoming that team's head coach. And divisional games are, you know, or, or have the tendency to be closer than not. But this isn't Jason Garrett's Cowboys team. I know he'll be standing on the other sideline, but this is, a, this is an offense that scores at a better clip and is more di- diverse with the football in terms of getting everyone involved. Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. has been like a superstar these last couple of weeks. And we know about Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in an offensive line that's one of the best in football. But then defensively, you have Trevon Diggs, who is becoming one of the steals of the drafts of a couple of years ago. He's a second-round pick. He's got five picks through four games. Yeah, Randy Gregory's finally coming to fruition. Two sacks against Carolina and a decisive win against the Panthers that I think was very impressive. Again, I talked about that as being the second-most impressive performance in Week 4 with the Cardinals beating up on the Rams being the first. This is a really good Cowboys team. Mm-hmm. And they're a Tom Brady two-minute drill away from being unbeaten. Yeah. They've got a win against the, the Chargers, which is a very impressive win. So I'm fine laying the points to the Cowboys at home here. And I think they get the job done. Maybe you lose to a, a garbage time backdoor cover, but I would be very surprised if this was a back-and-forth game that went down to the wire. So my Cowboys over nine and a half wins is looking pretty good, huh? Yeah, you can beat that <laughs> drum you, all season sir. long. I can't wait till that hits. I, love, I, I like got a that, lot of hate. That one's going to hit. You're going to keep coming back to that. And then what about your World Series ticket on your eight different teams? <laughs> well, it's not like I put a ton of money. But you feel different things at different parts in the season. So, like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> just a little consistency, uh, just, maybe. Just you a know? little. Well, guess what? Yeah. I do what I want. Yeah. Uh, Bills are getting three points. This Walk is one. <laughs> this is an interesting one for me. So, the Bills are getting three points at the Chiefs. This opened at three and a half. 63% of the money and the tickets on the Bills. Two elite quarterbacks, two elite offenses. This really comes down to defense. The Bills have the best defense in the NFL right now when it comes to points allowed. They're allowing 11 a game. They're scoring the second most with 33 a game. The Chiefs offense we know is elite. They've been a little wishy-washy to start the season, but they clearly are getting things together. They're actually tied with the Bills for points per game, but their defense ranks second worst in yards allowed per game and in points allowed. They're allowing just over 31 points a game. So I'm, A, kind of confused why the Bills are getting the points here. I love that. And also why why it's at three. I I don't know. I'm confused by this line. I'm definitely going with the Bills here. I think they win this game. I think they're the more better and complete team. What's your take? You always hear the the sentiment that home field advantage is worth three points. So this is on a neutral site. Maybe it's a pick Yeah. If it comes down to that. I do like the Bills here as well. It almost makes me nervous that, that the public, it's the popular play to where the book is going to need the Chiefs, and anytime the book needs the Chiefs, mm. you feel like you want to be on that side. I think there's hesitancy to, to buy in fully with the Bills because they've just beaten the Dolphins, the Washington football team, and the Houston Texans. Not a very impressive trio of teams. But I do think there's something to be said for taking care of business and dominating teams you should dominate. And that's what we've seen from the Bills. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule. So I do like the Bills here. Uh, the Chiefs' defense, to me, is a mess. It remains a mess. I don't see why that would stop against a better offense than what they've been playing in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I will take the Bills to the points. I will also take the Bills to win outright or, or potentially an opportunity to get um, an alternate line 
at the Bills minus money, yeah, you know, bit, minus points, get them at minus three, mm. and it's a huge plus number, and they can cover that. Yeah. And then worse, maybe you're pushing it at, at a you know a Bills field goal win. This is going to be a tremendous game. There's a lot of really fun games on this slate. This chief among them. We might not be talking about a better regular season game for the rest of the, the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. These two teams we expect to be the class of the AFC along with a couple others. And two of the best quarterbacks in football, two MVP candidates that will be perennial MVP candidates for for years to come, we think, with mm-hmm. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I'm really excited to watch it. I will have money on the Bills. Um, and it just comes down to can they get a clutch takeaway or a couple of clutch stops uh, in the second half because we know both teams are going to score points. Mm. I agree with actually kind of the majority of this slate. I'm just not loving them betting-wise, but I think they're all they're going to be pretty good games, that one especially. And also watching the Cardinals because I've been pretty hot on them so far this season too. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites against the 49ers. This line opened at four, so it's gone up some. 54% of the tickets on San Francisco, 61% of the money on them. Uh, I mean, there's no denying the Cardinals are legit. They're the only team left undefeated. And yeah, we're talking about scheduling here. We've got sound <laughs> the voices in my ear. It's throwing <laughs> just me off. unreal. <laughs> uh, Cardinals, so... You know, Titans, Vikings, Jags, not the most impressive, but they upset the Rams, who just beat the Bucks. We know Murray's legit, one of the league's best offenses and defenses. So I think this would mostly just be like a fade of the quarterback situation for the 49ers. Jimmy G hurt slash out uh, with the calf injury. He didn't practice yesterday. Expected to see Trey Lance tonight in his first start, which is a lot of pressure. Uh, so I'm basically fav- fading a rookie quarterback and backing a, a very hot Cardinals team here. I lean Niners with the points. Five and a half is a lot in a divisional matchup. This feels like a letdown spot for Arizona after the big win against the Rams. We saw the Rams have a letdown spot against the Cardinals after a big mm. win against the Bucks. I do think that's a thing in all of sports, but especially in football. I'm hoping to see Trey Lance. To me, this is the perfect opportunity to get a guy out there with a game plan you've catered to him without any tape on him. You can control the ground game. Keep Kyler Murray on the sideline. Elijah Mitchell is supposed to be back, so love him and Trey Sermon. I think this should be the time for Trey Lance. I think there's more upside to him than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm down to lay the points with a rookie and say, that's possible. I believe in Kyle Shannon. This is a game they need after losing two straight. They're down to two and two. The Cardinals have looked really good in two games and beatable in two others. Vikings should have beat them if they make a chip shot field goal, and the Jags who had a second-half lead, a two-score second-half lead at that against them in week three. I like the Niners here. I think it's a fun tease opportunity as well to get them over 10. I see this being a very close game, uh, and five and a half is just too much. To me, it also depends on just who ends up playing quarterback. If it's Trey Lance, absolutely down to take those points um, and get the Niners at plus five and a half. I think people have soured on the Niners because of what happened last week against the Seahawks, because of what happened previously with the Seahawks. Mm. And both of those teams are still very good. So... I like it. I'm in on the Niners. All right. Well, your Seahawks play today. You excited about that one? They do. <laughs> uh, this, again, we want to talk about great games. Yeah. There are a lot, and, and the two divisional matchups in the NFC West are, are, are chief among them. Um, yeah, Seahawks getting plus two and a half. I'm staying away from it from a betting standpoint. Yeah. Maybe tease Seahawks over seven to get them at a touchdown. But okay. Thursday games are weird. I'm excited to watch this one. I'll be doing a Twitter spaces at halftime. Um, 
And uh, yeah, this is a great matchup to start. We're so used to Thursday night matchups. They're just such clunkers. Mm. And this is a great one. Yeah, I'm staying away from sides, but my winning pick actually is in this game. I'm going Stafford over 306 and a half passing yards at minus 125. So this is a point more than what he's averaging right now. He's hit this over in half of the four games he's played. He ranks fourth in the NFL in passing yards. He's averaging a career-high pass completion yards per attempt. And the Seahawks' defense has allowed the fifth most passing yards a game. They've allowed the most overall yards a game. And they've given up more than 307 passing yards in the past three weeks. So the number is pretty high, but I, I feel confident that this Was hits. it 308? 306. 306. Yeah. And you're one to know. Just keep the player prop train rolling. Yeah, I love the props. I, I just feel like they're... I have more control over them, and you can you can dig into stats a little deeper. These teams have been so up and down that there you go. I Look at that. I'm trusting the players. She's got the October the lead. Overall. I'm in I'm in a bad way right now. I was I was running good in September for a while. I think I'm like over my last three or four in winning picks. So we well, guess what? A, I was 0 and four, and then I got up. <laughs> needs a W. I'm gonna run back six team teaser or six point teaser. Three teams uh, plus 140. Getting the Browns to plus seven and a half against the Chargers. That's one of the, the marquee games we haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. Again, we talk about maybe the Chiefs and Bills as the AFC favorites. These two teams are right on their heels, in my opinion. The, the Chargers have already beat the Chiefs, um, for that matter. The Browns are one of two teams to be top five in offense and defense per pro football focus. The team that can control the clock with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Baker Mayfield's fantastic at spreading the ball around. One of the, the league leaders in terms of yards per play. Um, I want to see more from Baker and Odell. Just feels like those guys ever since Odell arrived, they haven't been able to get on the same page. The chemistry isn't there. I watched that game, a number of misfires where Odell was open, but couldn't find him. You'd like to hope two players as talented as those two would be able to figure it out. They also play defense arguably better than anyone, and they rush the passers certainly as well, if not better than everyone. Uh, Miles Garrett leads the league in sacks with six. Him and Jadavian Clowney each top 10 in pressures. Uh, this is a game where getting them as an underdog Total coin flip of game because I'm also in on the Chargers, but you can throw home field advantage out the window. I was at that Monday night game yeah, with yeah. the Raiders and the Chargers. It was 70% Raiders fans, if not more. <laughs> I mean, when, when it was third down, the Chargers were on the field, it was like three times as loud as when the Raiders were on the field in third down. That's crazy. It was insane. Mm. And you feel bad for, I mean, that's a fun team in Los Angeles. And they're basically playing a road game going silent count that's crazy. in their own building. This is going to be a tremendous football game. I can't wait to watch. I'm going to take uh, the Browns in a teaser because I think there's tons of value there in, in what will be a more of a defensive game than I think people expect um, and one I expect to be decided by a field goal. Uh, Cowboys minus one. I'm happy to take the chalk. I think they win comfortably, but um, that turns that into basically a pick em. And then the Bengals up to nine against the Packers. Does it worry you at all about Baker Mayfield dealing with the left shoulder? I, no. I'm, I still am taking the, the Brown. He's going to play. He'll yeah. be fine. Uh, it's not his throwing shoulder. Right. And I think they have enough pieces around him offensively and defensively to where he's never been a guy that has to carry the team on his shoulders. Mm. No pun intended with the shoulder injury. <laughs> but he is, he is every bit the game manager and playmaker that they need him to be. Yeah. Um, and we talked about going into the season that that was a team I really liked mm -hmm. and, and put some money on to win the Super Bowl along with the Bills. Um, because I think they are such a complete roster, and we've seen that so far. Their only losses to the Chiefs in week one, a game they were very competitive in. Oh, so you also picked two teams for the Super Bowl? Yeah. 
You oh. went through a list of like five different. No, I said teams. I said I sprinkled a little on the White Sox a few months ago, and the Giants, and then the Red Sox, obviously because. Uh-huh. You almost <laughs> took off. the Dodgers <laughs> in the divisional series picks that we had earlier. You forgot. I'm tired. You okay? forgot that you I'm took the tired. Giants to win the World Series literally <laughs> three well, days ago. That's because it was like a value play. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Week five, baby. Girlfriend needs a weekend to get here. <laughs> Don't a, we all? I need a night's rest. Don't we all? Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Joe underscore fan at TV, at WinBet and at Blue Wire Pods. Until then, have a great weekend. See you Monday.